11 Personnel is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute tickets with prices up to 60% off. There's a big one coming up for the Rams Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be quite a scene out there. Uh, expect to see a full house, so you're going to want to keep an eye on game time and see how those ticket prices are doing. Maybe score a last-minute deal and get in there for one of the biggest games of the season and it's not just about sports game time has all the big concerts events happening in southern california the black keys are at the forum tomorrow night i got my eye on that one it's an it's an off day for the rams got some time might jump on and see if there's a couple tickets available and get in there and watch a good concert so it's very simple to tap check out you can get the tickets you want see your seats right from the app your view, exactly how your experience is going to be. It's a great setup, really easy to use. GameTime app is really quick and easy to navigate, so download the GameTime app in Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on The Athletic. I am Rich Hammond with The Athletic. Uh, this is our initial go without Vinny Bonsignor. We wish Vinny all the best of luck. Uh, he said his goodbyes in the podcast last week. He's he's off to the, to well, he's off to the Bay Area first to, to cover the Raiders and, and eventually on his way to, to Las Vegas. So he's settling in. I, I texted with Vinny yesterday. He actually did not do the uh, Raiders Bengals game. He's just settling in up there, and he's he's going to start today. And I told him that that was fine as far as I was concerned because nobody needs to watch the Bengals twice in one season. So I, I think Vinny made the smart move there, and uh, he'll get going. He's still real active on Twitter, so follow along with him. He he still loves to talk about the Rams, and and I'm sure he will continue to do so uh, throughout the season and beyond. So we again we wish Vinny all the best of luck. But uh, we do have uh, an exciting game to talk. Well, exciting. An interesting game to, to talk about from, from yesterday. The Rams did beat the Chicago Bears 17-7 to uh, to essentially keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, they, they needed to keep pace, we can put it that way, because Minnesota won again, uh, came back to, to beat Denver. Seattle did not play yesterday, so they're still sitting there. And the Rams, they kept pace, and, and that's all they can do right now. So there's a lot to break down in this game. Uh, we'll, we'll take it from all sides and uh, what it means going forward, but very happy and, and excited and grateful to, to welcome uh, our guest co-host for the today, for today is Joe Curley with the Ventura County Star, and Joe has covered the Rams uh, since they relocated to Los Angeles, and it's been particularly important to him because uh, they essentially got dropped into his backyard, uh, Joe covering uh, all of Ventura County, and has, has done so for 20 years now, and uh, the Rams showed up and, and put down roots uh, first in Oxnard and and then with their temporary facility in, in Thousand Oaks there at Cal Lutheran. And we don't know where it's, they're going to end up. We're, we're still waiting uh, three years later to find out where the Rams are, are going to ultimately land with their headquarters. But uh, very, very glad to, to welcome Joe. He's a, he's a great reporter and a great guy, uh, very conscientious in, in covering all things Rams for the last three years. So thanks for joining us, Joe. And uh, did, did you get some sleep last night after that super, super exciting uh, set, uh, Sunday night Rams game? 
Yeah, I think it was a it was a struggle going to bed, uh, looking up at the ceiling after all those points last night. No, I was uh, I was counting uh, counting uh, Todd Gurley runs between the tackle, and I fell asleep like a baby. So, uh, but you yeah. know, obviously, a, uh, not exactly Rams Chiefs last night at the Coliseum. No. But uh, I think at this point, when you consider uh, Rams fans have had the torture the last couple of weeks of watching, you know what. Denver go up against the Vikings and not be able to finish it. The Cardinals take a big lead against the Niners and not be able to finish it. And all that torture that must have been that Monday night game trying to figure out if you're rooting for the, the Niners or the, or the Seahawks there as they went into overtime. Me, I, I always root for ties when my team's not involved. So mm. I was disappointed that game. Chaos theory a little bit, just, just mix it up and, uh, and, and see what happens. Exactly. It's kind of a half <laughs> loss for both those teams, but um, yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, as uh, Ventura County's resident sports writer, um, you know, super exciting when the, the Rams decided to uh, uh, drop in our backyard and, and it's been fun the last couple of years kind of chronicling, how they've become part of, uh, you know, not just Southern California's community, but but Ventura County's community, and uh, and you know we care about, you know what's, uh, you know in our community we care about uh, Rich Hammond because he is a uh, a new Ventura County resident. So uh, that's right. welcome. That's another part. I'll have to add that to my beat. Everything uh, Rich Hammond in the Canal Valley as well. Yeah, property values dropped over the, over the past year, and people found out that uh, when I was in town. But uh, yeah, I, I want to get into that a little bit because it really is kind of a, a kind of a tight knit um, community up here. Um, and you just you you drive around town and you can see people. I've seen coaches, I've seen players, you know, sure. just around town, and it is kind of a funny thing to to experience. But. Uh, Joe, everybody a little bit happier today, I guess, or at least relieved. I mean, you know, Vinny and I talked uh, on the last podcast and, and you know, Vinny said the Rams could afford to lose one more game this season. And, and to which I said, it can't be this game, you know, to, especially right. with what the Rams face coming up with the Ravens still there, the Seahawks, 49ers, uh, th- these games that they have coming up, the Cowboys down the line, the, losing to the Bears was not one that they could overcome. And it was a struggle, and, and I think we all expected it. Everybody who predicted scores pretty much predicted somewhere along the lines of 17 to 10 or 13 to 10 or 13 to 7. I, I don't think anybody really saw you know, anybody in this game even cracking 20 points. So it, it certainly did not uh, disappoint in, in terms of, of that perspective. But Joe, uh, you know, to me, the, the Rams did what they needed to do. I, I did not expect a flashy performance. I didn't expect big points. I didn't expect to see the ball going down the field a whole lot. Uh, they kept Jared Goff clean and they established a run game. And if you told me you know, even 24 hours ago that they would be able to do those two things, I would have felt pretty good about the Rams' chances in that game. And surprisingly, shockingly, they were able to do both. It was. Were you surprised by, by both of those or, or one more than the other? Or, I mean, what was your takeaway from, from that Rams' offensive performance? Well, you know, I was surprised that, um, you know, they, they've started, to, well, not started, but they've, they're making adjustments. They're they're getting away from you know the Rams uh, team that we've seen the last couple of years. The you know that zone outside running game. They ran um, you know a lot more kind of 
you know, power stuff. I think they mentioned it on the broadcast last night. And, you know, you get before, you know, before the game and, you know, with the, and it, it just, it felt like everything was kind of piling up on them from the results around the league going against them to the sickness and practice to, the, well, start even earlier in the week where, you know, all the injuries come out. It's like, you know, they, they lose this game in Pittsburgh that could have went either way. And then, you know, we've lost our, ta- you know, ha- Havenstein's out and, you know, uh, we're going to lose this, you know, who was the other offensive? Oh, they obviously Brian Allen out for the right. year, you know, so you lose a couple offensive linemen and then it put toward the end of the week, you've got, um, you know, illness injuries where, oh, you know, the, you can't afford to be weak uh, coming into this game. And then, you know, you show up to the game and one of the big offensive weapons, um, you know, that they're going to need in this in this situation isn't there. Just mysteriously, um, because of, of personal reasons, isn't able to play. And it just felt like kind of every, everything was kind of piling up. And maybe that forced them into a corner. Maybe that's what ultimately led... Sean McVay to turn to Todd Gurley before the game and say, let's pound the rock. And, you know, whatever, you know, they responded, made the the adjustments they needed to make, whether it was power running, whether it was sticking to to that running game when the Bears made the adjustment and were able to kind of limit Gurley after that first quarter where he had some chunk runs. There wasn't a whole lot there after, you know, maybe the opening 20 minutes, but there was enough there that they were able to kind of get through the game, finish it off, and, you know, kind of the platform was that great defensive performance. Now, some of that you have to say, oh, you know, some of that you have to say, the it's they're playing the Bears. But the Bears, mm-hmm. the first two series, you got to say, look pretty good offensively, Rich. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I did not know how that was going to go, especially when you talk about Robert Woods being out. And uh, when I saw that, I just, I looked at the depth chart and I'm just going, oh my goodness. Like, you know, there's no offensive line left. And, you know, you know, Cooper Cup was sick during the week and didn't know until after the game how sick he would hit. Joe, he looked, I talked to him after the game. He looked (laughs) exhausted. I mean, I've never seen him look like, he looked like he was just ready to fall asleep right then. So, you know, it's Cooper Cup and then it's, it's Josh Reynolds and then it's Mike Thomas. And you're just going, how in the world are these guys going to move the ball? And I credit Sean McVay. I think it was, boy, I don't know. It was certainly one of his best coaching performances mm-hmm. um, of, of his tenure, given what he was working with and given the circumstances. And we talked about it on the last episode was they need to they needed to figure out what they could do. You know, this could not be the high-flying Rams from 2017, 2018. I mean, all those plays, all those formations that, you know, we've grown to to love to see from the Rams, you just, you had to toss all that out. And you you had to look at what can this team accomplish given the personnel and given the opponent. And I thought it was smart. They obviously went to a ton of 12 personnel with with Johnny Munt and Tyler Higbee, even using Johnny Munt as like that H-back or fullback or whatever you want to call it. Using Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup was pulling like a guard to to block in the run game. If you see, I've I'd never seen that before from him, certainly, where where he was out there kind of like as a, as a lead blocker for, for, for Todd Gurley. So it was a very focused game plan for the Rams. And and it worked. And like you said, Joe, the, the 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 big thing to me was that they stuck with it because how many times 
in in the past two years, and it's been a criticism of Sean McVay. It's been one of my criticisms of Sean McVay is when things start to go a little sideways, a little shaky. He he drops the run game like a hot potato and and just starts throwing the ball around. And he, he, they did not do that yesterday. They stuck with it. And and even later in the game, when the Bears adjusted a little bit, they they adjusted their front, clearly trying to take some of that stuff away. And and the Rams stayed with it and and they grinded it out three yards at a time or, or whatever it was. And uh, and it worked. It, it was enough. And and Joe, I I, I tweeted it and I thought. It, it, it was funny to say, but you know, as soon as the Rams got to that ten to nothing lead late in the second quarter, I kind of thought, well, that that's probably enough <laughs> in this game, yeah. um, and that's how it turned out. So I, I credit Sean McVay, McVay for being very disciplined in in his calling, play calling, and for for coming up with a scheme and and a game plan that worked for that situation and and worked for those players. You know, it's funny you go back to the last time the Rams were playing the Bears and you think about everything that's transpired since and how, you know, the offense was kind of at the top of the football world going into Chicago last December and, you know, everything since from, you know, putting together that playoff run to Todd Gurley load management to the 61 defense looks that they've been seeing, you know, all this this stuff that it has kind of piled up on this on on this coaching staff and this team um, to kind of um, you know the, to 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 quelch that that joy that you know that they they were so good last se- you know the last two years you know into that that game at, at Soldier Field last year that it was almost too easy you know everything was um, yeah. you know all all fun you know it was that Chiefs game every week you know just so much fun and, and sugary football and and you know how how does you know you wanted to pinch yourself that it was just so fun to watch every week but you know the, the NFL doesn't um, you know it, it, it's obviously constantly changing and you have to constantly reinvent themselves and and you know I think that's what the Rams have done in, in midseason here with um, you know, trying to figure out a way to move the ball offensively with all the issues that we just talked about, the way that they've, you know, this is a, a, a and we'll get to it, obviously, the defensive secondary that was Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib's personality. And now in the middle of the year, they've, you know, totally changed that around. You've got all these new kids around in, in all pro. And so, so much has happened. But, you know, I think that there's a really easy parallel to draw uh, of what j- just happened the last week. The week you get old Todd back is the week that old Rich is back on the beat. So I think there's yeah, a little bit yeah, of Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say it was all Vinny's fault, but <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> uh, you know, just, hey, look at the results, right? Uh, but here's the thing, like, you talk about, you know, sugary football. I like that. We should we should actually, you know, that should be a website name. I, I like that. But, you know, and I think it, it was so much fun and it, and it was so, you know, intriguing to watch that I think Rams fans got lulled in by that. And we've, we've talked about that on in podcasts before and even in stories. 
it's not supposed to be that easy. Um, and you're not supposed to be putting up 30 points per game on, on teams in the NFL. Uh, now, it's also not supposed to be as hard as the Rams have made it look at times mm. this year. So we've kind of swung from one extreme to the other. I mean, to do what they did the past two years is not normal. But I, I think it's also fair to say that some of the results that they've had this year, given the talent that they have, and uh, not only players, but coaches and everything else, uh, they were underperforming this year. So it, it's not that, uh, you know, people just got spoiled or things like that but, but there's there's a little bit of a soft middle that you have to hit it's not supposed to be as easy as it was last year and it should have looked better than it did early on this season so joe you, you said it they, they got back to basics um todd Gurley, 25 carries we did not know whether we would ever see that this year i mean he had 12 last week against the steelers he had 10 in London against Cincinnati. He had not had more than 18 at all this season. And when you add in three receptions for 36 yards, uh, you know, that's 28 touches. And, and that's that's the high level from, from Todd Gurley uh, of the past two seasons. And it just, it adds another layer of intrigue, Joe, into this season-long story of What's been going on here? Have they been saving Todd Gurley? Has he been capable of this all along and they've just been slow playing it or they've been, uh, you know, trying to protect him a little bit? Uh, what What is going on here? And it, it just, it, again, it adds a, another layer of, of interest and, and trying to figure it out. But I'll tell you what, Joe. I know you were there too listening. We saw Todd Gurley smiling. We saw him joking with reporters. He was in a good mood. And I'm not going to read too much into things because, you know, anybody can have a good day, bad day. But I got to tell you, Joe, from his from his answers, from his body language and everything else, he looked like a real happy guy. And he looked like a guy who had been waiting for this opportunity for quite some time. You know, things were getting so rough with him, you know, and kind of how we get Surly Todd, you know, hearkening back to the Fisher year of, of 2016. And, right. and you know, you, you were wondering if, if at some point toward the end of this year when things got bad that, you know, you were going to have a 2019 version of the middle school offense rant, um, you know, right. of some sort of moment where Todd was just going to, um, you know, show his frustration and that was going to be, kind of a breaking point, but in, you know, and I also don't know um, if, you know, if, if you really were able to give coach McVeigh the truth serum, you know, if he would admit that this was a plan that he wanted to do or whether or not, you know, those external forces kind of forced him into it. But, you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, they were, it was what the, the, the biggest workload he's had, I think, since that Green Bay game, um, you know, last year. At, at, and, and, you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, the, it was just the performance they needed. They got just as much. It wasn't him going out and putting together. The, the story wasn't the production. The story wasn't the 133 scrimmage yards. The story was the workload. The story was ha- was the platform from which the Rams, you know, won offensively was was Todd Gurley, you know, just kind of carrying the ball just enough for them to get over that that goal line to get over that uh, you know that final whistle and and, and get the win and, and after the game, like you said, you you were there. He was um, 
he was happy Todd. He was, you know, previewing the 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 Baltimore game. He was crediting Lamar, you know, talking about how much he was looking forward to Lamar Jackson. He was making NBA references. You know he's in a good mood when he's when he's okay. comparing the NFC to the Western Conference. Um, and then, you know, you had him, you know, smiling and talking about he's got to be out of his mind to complain about getting the ball. So, um, right. it was uh it was good, Todd. It was happy, Todd. And um, the question is, is it going to continue? We, um, you know, McVeigh was asked that after the game, and he kind of gave, not a wishy, it was an affirmative, but it, it allowed him some room to maneuver. Right. It was basically like, you know, it might be a good idea, but we'll see. And, you know, I, I mean, who, who, you know, who knows? Who knows who's going to be healthy? Who knows? When we see Brandon Cooks, who knows when we see Robert Woods and, and maybe with some more options, you know, cause Coach to go the other way. But uh, for one night at least, it was old Todd uh, performing his old tricks with, with old Rich there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 25 carries is the most since that Denver game last year, which was uh, October 14th, so more than a year ago since he's had that kind of, uh, yeah. you know, workload. And, and Joe, I think you said it there. I think Sean's been in kind of a bad spot, but Vinny and I would go back and forth on this because I don't think Sean helped himself with some of the things that he said. You know, he, he Todd Gurley would get 12, 13 carries or whatever, and and of course Sean would get asked about it, and Sean's answers in, invariably would be some form of, oh, we just, you know, we didn't get enough plays or the rhythm of the game or blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there listening to this kind of shaking my head like, yeah, Sean, like, we know you're better than this. We know you just didn't get lost in the flow of the game or, you know, that you just didn't get enough plays. But I, I, at the same time, I understood it. You know, I understood that Sean, he is managing something, exactly what it is or exactly where it's coming from. We don't know yet. Maybe we'll get some answers about that at the end of the season. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll never know exactly what the what the plan was or what the situation was. But I, I think it's been clear all along since the start of the season that there is some type, whether you want to call it pitch count or load management or whatever phrase you want to put on it, there's, there's been something going on with Todd Gurley. And Sean's been the one person person who kind of does not want to acknowledge it. And and I, I think that kind of hurt himself in, in the eyes of fans and folks um, because of the types of answers that he gave. And, and you said it, Joe, he kind of, you know, he kind of gave an interesting answer like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe we'll see next week. Yeah. Um, but it, it is. Every game is different. And I wouldn't necessarily expect Todd Gurley to get 25 carries again against the Baltimore Ravens. But, but I think you said it right. It's can he? That That is the question, not whether or not he will or whether or not the game plan dictates uh, that he should, but just from, from a physical standpoint, is he capable of that? And coming off a 25-carry game, 28-touch game uh, on Sunday, is he capable of coming back now eight days later because the Rams do play on Monday night, so gets one more day? Is he capable of coming back and doing that again if they need him to? And and these are the types of questions that, that we've been waiting to answer all season long and really haven't been able to. So it, it'll be fascinating to see, uh, you know, what what that game plan is for the Ravens and and exactly what the usage is for Todd Gurley. But Joe Todd said it straight up, and and everybody said it. Um, the play of that offensive line and Joe, it was. 
everybody was predicting doom, and and I, rightfully so. I mean, I, I had people on on Twitter and such saying, you know, the, gosh, maybe the Rams should just start Blake Bortles because you know Jared Goff's just going to get killed back there. You know, he's he's going to get, you know, they're not going to be able to keep him upright. And and what happens? Eighteen pass attempts, no sacks. He did not get sacked once. Uh, and the, we talked about the run game. Yeah, you know, the Bears adjusted. The Rams averaged about 3.0 yards per, per carry, which is certainly not great. Uh, but they stuck with it. And, and all things considered, they got the job done. And, and Joe, I mean, I, I was shocked at, at some of those performances. And, and, I mean, what were your expectations for that line? And, and did you ever think that, that they would be able to, you know, have a game like that? Well, I mean, like... Like you said, like I said earlier, you know, on that Monday when all those injuries come out, you're like, oh, here we go. You know, the 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 momentum is things are just falling apart, um, and and you have to admit, you know, the Rams in the off season had a plan, and that plan was transitioning to to Allen and Nopeum. That plan did, you know, whether it was performance or 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 injuries or a combination, the plan did not work. They had, you know, they came back with a second group, you know, kind of in the middle part of the early part of the season. That plan did not work. They're on kind of version 3.0 of this plan now. And that's why you get to, you know, Bobby Evans makes his kind of debut. They move Edward. Edwards has kind of been a saving grace a little bit because when he went in there, um, originally things picked up. I thought they were pretty good in the beginning part of the Steeler game until Allen went out. You know, I think that was a disappointment where it looked like maybe they were finally getting a little momentum because um, I thought Gurley ran the ball really well. And that, you know, uh, obviously Coach missed it. We can get back to that. But, you know, I think that, you know, they, sh- they were showing signs. And now you've got, um, you know, they've gotten bigger inside. You could really tell they were kind of hammering those interior holes, you know, really running between the tackles. Not you know they're, they're that former um, uh, that you know their their former identity is running outside the tackles the stri- you know the zone play the stretch plays and they've thrown that to the side they're running between the tackles even when the Bears were able to really bottle things up and stop them you know they opened the the second half with three and outs based on Gurley running you know they didn't have success in that first series and he went right back to it the second series so um, you know and then. I have no criticism with them using Malcolm Brown at the end, you know, because there's there's been a plan to get Brown a series in each half, <clears throat> excuse me, in each half, and I think that's that's worked, um, you know, you you know, so that's part of this whole load load management aspect of Gurley, and I, you know, there's a couple points I wanted to make um, getting back to him, you know, the you wonder it, it is fascinating what's going to be the story this week with Gurley has this whole um, load management aspect been proactive or reactive? Are they doing this because he's banged up or are they doing this to lengthen out that, you know, his worth over that contract certainly was inexcusable not to use him more in that fourth quarter in the Pittsburgh game. Uh, even McVay kind of admitted that after the game last night. Um, but, you know, I think the key is to get him touches. I, I'm not one of those guys that says you got to have him have 20 carries. You got to have him have 30 carries. There's no To me, I don't even look at the carry number. To me, it's about touches. My criticism of Todd Gurley's role in this offense in the first half of this year 
has been his touch numbers has been his role in the passing game. It's been inconsistent. They need, you know, what makes him a weapon isn't just his ability to run the ball, but his ability to make plays in the passing game. And I think, you know, he had that, you know, the biggest play of the game last night wasn't a run by him. It was that that 23-yard catch and run in that, on that, what was it, the second series uh, to really get going. To me, I think that was a big momentum play so yeah it's i mean we saw what a huge part of the past game he was in 2017 and i was surprised and i actually thought coming into this year because okay you know maybe you don't want him to take that kind of punishment running the ball as much but you, you can still get him out there in space and, and where he can make some plays and and we just haven't seen it and and we did yesterday when we saw him make those plays those three catches and and uh you know picking up big first downs and stuff like that so you know you, you can't just dial that up whenever you want to and and obviously teams adjust Adjusted after 2017 and, and weren't going to let him you know, just get space to, to make plays. Um, but the Rams were able to get back to that and, and find some stuff uh, there for Todd to do. But but yeah, Joe, they, they were not shy uh, about running the ball, you know, right up the middle, off guard and, and everything else. It was not just, you know, just pitches or, or things to get outside and try to get into space. I mean, they were, you know, they were manning up against that Bears defensive front and, and beating them off the ball and, and real credit to, to those those guys and, and you could see Todd running with confidence and and so much of that is a running back having confidence that that those guys are going to make those blocks and, and that those holes are going to be there and I don't know whether Todd felt that way uh, all season long or whether he should have felt that way uh, but but I think he did for, at times yesterday especially early on when when he was able to get some some running game going um, so so credit to, to those guys and yeah it's it's funny Joe I don't I, look, it's let's let's full stop here. It's it's one game, okay? Mm-hmm. And that that Bears team is a 500 team. They they have a good defense, um, but you know th- there's going to be bigger tests to come. Absolutely, but given what we thought was going to happen with this Rams offensive line, it, it strikes me as kind of a best case scenario in terms of they move Austin Blythe uh, back to center, which is his natural position. Uh, you know, he played a lot of guard over the last couple of years, but continued to cross train. Austin Blythe looked like a, a different guy. I mean, he's been kind of up and down at guard, but he looked very confident at center. And, and it, you know, Whitworth pointed it out. Corbett pointed it out. Just his his leadership and, and his ability to, to get guys, you know, lined up and, and point things out, whatever. He, he, he took charge of, of that offensive line and, and did a very good job. Uh, Austin Corbett steps in at left guard, did very well. I mean, this is a guy who even you know the, the Cleveland Browns got rid of, of Austin Corbett. I mean, can you imagine what that must feel like to, 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 get, to get dropped by the Cleveland Browns? But, but yet he comes in and, and seizes an opportunity and, and I thought played very well. David Edwards, like you said, continues to hold it down at, at guard. And then how about Bobby Evans? I mean, this is a guy I think we're going to have to talk a little bit more about uh, during this week and, and see how, how he develops. But, boy, I, Joe, I really thought he was kind of going to kind of be the hinge to this whole thing, uh, especially knowing, you know, what the what the Bears might be able to do with Khalil Mack and, and trying to expose that matchup. And, and I, I, you know, I haven't been able to see the coach's film yet and, and exactly see where uh, guys are matched up or, or what the uh, assignments are, or what were whatever but uh, Bobby Evans held it down Joe as far as I was concerned and uh, performed far above 
the expectation level, I think. So, and what do you think, Joe? I mean, are we are we getting too excited about one game with this with this offensive line and, and some of these young guys, or or, or do you think that uh, you know maybe they open some eyes? And and you, you talked about that plan that they had in terms of Noteboom and Allen and kind of how they had it lined up, Joe. It seems to me that if some of these guys could keep it going, uh, maybe maybe that plan starts to get a second look. Yeah, I mean the the plan's been thrown out the window. Now they're riffing. You know, now they're trying to figure out anything that's going to work. And it worked last night. And let's give them some credit. This is not the Bengals. This is not the Falcons. These are the Chicago freaking Bears. And yes, they have they have some injuries up front. They're not the team um, that they saw last year in 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 you know in Detroit, in uh, excuse me in December. But um, you know this is a legit defensive team and they were able to move the football they were able to run the football they were they did not get embarrassed. i mean you you know you have those injuries on monday and trying to figure out who's going to fit where and where the pieces go there's a little bit of speculation if whitworth was going to move to to guard and who was going to i mean there's so there was all kinds of pieces that were just thrown in the air and you know where they came back down it it worked, and you know you have to give them credit for this on this night in this big spot in a game they like we said they absolutely had to have. You have to win your NFC games at this point. You know if you're going to have a mulligan the rest of the way, it's this weekend because it's an AFC uh, matchup against a team that they're not going to be favorite to beat at home. So you know th- this was a game. I think some people were referring to it as a playoff eliminating game, which is you know not the sort of game you want to be playing in November. Um, but that's where the Rams have played the position they've played themselves into. And that's where they, they were on Sunday. And, and that was the position from which, you know, they put forth this performance that, you know, has them kind of continuing and the, the bears, you know, the, you know, who were once upon a time hyped as the new Rams and, and, uh, that coaching staff, the new, you know, the new McVay and all that stuff. It, it's kind of, fit, you know, it's funny that you know, how the NFL evolved so quickly that these two head coaches, you know, spoken once as these, you know, great offensive minds that were revolutionizing the game, playing a 17-10 slog for each other's seasons on, on Sunday Night Football last night. But, you know, the, the, the Rams were the team that won that slog and survived and moved on and, um, and get to play, uh, you know, the, the the team that is now the NFL's darlings on the biggest stage uh, on Monday night this week. Yeah, for sure, Joe. I mean, it, again, it was, it was a game they, they absolutely had to have, and, and they did what they needed to do. Uh, a couple more thoughts uh, on offense for me before we go to the defense, and uh, if you have any closing thoughts on, on the offense. But Jared Goff, um, hmm. I mean, it was, uh, he did what he needed to do. And, you know, it certainly was an unconventional game, not knowing exactly what he was going to have. 11 of 18, 173 yards, uh, no touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, to me, it was a, a little up and down. I mean, he, he made a couple great throws. I mean, that the throw to uh, Cooper Cup on, on the 50-yarder that, that nearly was a touchdown and and then a, another great throw to, to Josh Reynolds that ends up, you know, getting called back and, and uh, was a spectacular play. Um, 
So those were there, and and you saw the confidence at times, even with that offensive line. But other times, Joe, I mean, the interception was a bad throw. Uh, there there were a couple others that were very very questionable type throws um, that that made me think, oh gosh, you know, they they were a little they uh, got a little sideways from from them at times. And and then the other thing was Robert Woods, and you know, just to give a little update there, we we don't know. Everybody was surprised, by the way, uh, when when that news came down when they. When they announced the uh, inactives, they do that 90 minutes before the game. And, and you know, we were all standing around when they announced it. And they, they said number 17. And we're like, what? Like, I didn't even mark it down at first because I thought maybe they meant a different number. Like, n- nobody had any idea. And even Sean McVay said not until a couple hours uh, before the game did he know that, that Robert wasn't going to be able to play or even attend the game. So it is uh, a personal matter. And, and obviously, you know, you respect the... The, the players' privacy in that matter, whether or not we'll hear a little bit more about what's going on, I don't know. Um, the Rams weren't totally sure when Robert would rejoin uh, the team. They, they do have their uh, kind of meetings. They'll, they'll be, um, you know, a thousand oaks today. And then, um, you know, Tuesday is an off day, so there's a little bit of time. But obviously they'll want to get uh, Robert Woods back as soon as possible, but certainly within the context of making sure that everything is okay with, with his personal life. But uh, Joe, any, any final takeaways on the offense before we move to the defense? Yeah, I mean, with Woods, certainly a shock. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it, obviously there's a curiosity there as a, as a fan, as an observer, when something like that happens, the first thing you think to yourself is, oh, I, you know, I wonder what it is. But, you know, obviously with, you know, considering who we, we know Robert Woods to be, you know, it, it has to be something serious. It has to be something um, personal and, and um, you know, we'll give him that privacy until, you know, word comes out. Um, in terms of Goff, certainly the numbers were ugly at times. The performance wasn't great. You have to kind of give that little asterisk there that he did have two 51-yard touchdown passes that came back, one on replay, one on penalty. Yeah. Um, the pick was not a great decision. I'm not someone who, you know, I, I, where I am on Jared Goff is, you know, in, in 2016 when he was brutal and everybody, you know, everybody wanted to call him the biggest bust in the world, you know, I, I was saying, well, you know, this is, you know, he's better than this. And then the last two years when he was fantastic and everyone wanted to call him a top five quarterback, you know, I, I, I'm like, well, I don't think he's this good. You know, I think he's better than what we've seen this year, but probably, you know, probably not as good as he's been the last couple of years. You know, he's certain, obviously the Rams believe he's a franchise quarterback. They paid him as such. He's technically a Super Bowl quarterback. So, um, but you know, I think Roquan Smith made a nice play in the interception, but I don't think it was a great decision. Um, and I think yesterday was one of those performances where, you know, I, I, I don't think he, you know, I think there's a lot of, of plays he, he might want back. Um, the um, But, you know, uh, I, you know, he got a lot of criticism off that Steeler game because they're, they're throwing the ball, trying to win the game with his arm. And, um, you know, they basically lose the, the game on his turnover on, Mink, on the Minka Fitzpatrick touchdown. But then again, that was kind of a bad luck thing where, um, you know, I think that was, that was, should have been an incomplete pass. Um, so anyway, I, I think, um, you know, Goff was, uh, this was not a good game for him. And, and it's, you know, I, I don't gain any, any confidence from uh, his performance, especially when the line was, 
was better. Um, you know, I think I, I've right. I've criticized. I, I think a lot of his of, of Jared's poor performance this year. I think you could kind of you know say it's because he's under pressure. It's because they're not protecting him well, and there's not as much excuse making you can make for him last night uh, because the line was better. He was protected better. Um, so you know. He needs to be better. Um, he didn't need to be better last night, but he's probably going to need to be better against Baltimore. Yeah, and I agree. And Rams fans, if you can take solace in one thing, it might not have been Jared's best game or a good game, but it wasn't Mitchell Trubisky. Um, and <laughs> my goodness, I look, I'm not going to dump on Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, you know, everybody has things that, that's not a great offense in general, but. I did not know what I was looking at at times last night, Joe. I mean, it looked like a guy who just, it didn't even, it wasn't even on the same page with his receivers a lot of times. And maybe that's not all on the quarterback and often it isn't. So you can't, you know, sit there and make judgments uh, across the board. But some of the throws that were just at guys' feet and guys weren't even looking at the ball or guys were running a different route. I don't know what was going on there. And, and I also don't know why. I mean, they, they threw the ball 43 times. And and we talked about the Rams and, and Sean McVay and the, and the discipline that they kind of showed in sticking with the run game. And the Rams aren't running the ball particularly well either, especially in the, in the second half after the Bears adjusted a little bit. And and the Bears weren't running it great either. I mean, they only averaged three three yards per carry, but but they kind of went away from it, you know. So especially when they went down by ten, it was like, okay, you know, let's put the ball in, in Trubisky's hands and 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 try to make him win the game. And I just don't know how that was a winning formula or how you thought that was going to work uh, because he, he looked awful. And uh, it's it certainly, you know, whatever's going on with that bears team, they are not the same team that they were uh, uh, last year, but Joe credit to that Rams defense. I mean, it, it was the effort uh, that they needed. We, we continue to see, I think some strides. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a grading on the curve, I guess, They've only allowed, I believe it's three touchdowns in their last four games. Now, you have to look at the opponents. You're talking about that stretch started with Atlanta. Atlanta has since come around, but that but they were not playing very well at that time. Uh, and then Cincinnati is Cincinnati. Uh, the Steelers, you know, not a great offense. And, and then this Bears team that I, I don't know how they scored a touchdown, but they managed to score a touchdown. So uh, you look at the quality of opponent, but but Joe, I, I think across the board, particularly since that Jalen Ramsey trade, and, and as you mentioned near the start of the episode, uh, kind of the transformation in that secondary in general, uh, you're seeing some different things from from that Rams uh, secondary, and, and I think you're seeing some improvements. So, uh, w- what have you seen, particularly over the over the last month here, that uh, that's impressed you? Well, um, you you got to again. We're talking about kind of midseason transitions. This was a team who started the season in the secondary where you added Eric Weddle to a secondary that you already had veterans like Talib and Peters, and now they've transitioned to um you know be being this team that has turned over all these other pieces besides Weddle and you've got an all pro and Jalen Ramsey who are still kind of learning you know he had his big moment last night where he kind of picks up Allen Robinson and dumps him out of there but um and then the big question is when they made all those moves what were you going to do on the other side 
And, you know, obviously as somebody who's known Troy Hill since he was a high school kid at St. Bonaventure in Ventura, I mean, I went up to Troy after they made that trade and he said, you know, I'm looking forward to this because not only am I, you know, potentially going to be playing in, in that lineup, but I'm going to get all this, all this activity, you know, that they're not going to want to throw at, you know, one of the best, arguably the best cornerback in the NFL. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have a big target on my back. And he, you know, said that up front. He said he was looking forward to it. And he went out there, you know, last night and balled out. I mean, he had the pick. He had his, he couldn't remember the last time he had a sack. You know, we're trying to interview him in the press, in the in the locker room after the game. And he's doing a national spot with ESPN radio. And, I, you know, I'm, you know, waiting my turn to talk to my guy behind the Times guy who's doing a story on him. And, you know, um, it's just as somebody who has had these ups and downs, who certainly makes, you know, he's not the perfect player, but he's a cornerback who sometimes gets, every cornerback sometimes gets beat, has bad days, but, you know, he's somebody that, um, you know, has been a kind of consistent role, you know, you know, role player slash um, kind of whatever they need from him during, um, you know, kind of a quiet aspect of the, the depth of this team. Um, somebody who, if you remember a couple years ago in that Falcons playoff game, was one of the better players on the field. You thought after 2017, maybe he's earned himself a starting position on this team. And then they go out and they make all the huge moves and they have Peters and Tlaib and he bides his time again. And so now, um, a couple years later, it's, it's paying off and... and um, you know, you got to give credit to to Rap, who's who. You know, you didn't see um, make very many mistakes, and certainly you get to see David Long starting to add into the rotation there and and make some plays. And obviously, Nikel Roby Coleman uh, always does what what he does in the slot there. So, um, you know, this is now a team that uh, you know has totally changed defensively in midstream, and you know, obviously playing very well right now. Yeah, for sure, Joe. Yeah, you mentioned David Long. He got on the field uh, 15 snaps out of um, seven, about 75. So he played 25 per, or 20% of the of the defensive snaps. So you certainly see him getting uh, more involved. In, and yeah, Troy Hill was a guy, you talk about the changes that they made in, in sending away Marcus Peters. And, and obviously, Aqib was on IR anyway and probably wasn't going to come back or at least not till mm-hmm. very late. But uh, they showed a lot of confidence in, in Troy Hill, especially uh, because exactly what you said, when you bring in Jalen Ramsey, you kind of know that the other guy is, is going to get a lot more attention because people are not going to routinely throw the ball against Jalen Ramsey and, and try to challenge him. So put some pressure on Troy Hill, and, and he certainly responded. And, yeah, it's tough for those cornerbacks, Joe, because, you, you know, the, the most if, – and if they're not making an interception, uh, the, the time that you notice them most is when they get beat. You, do, you don't notice them on a, on a snap-to-snap basis when they're covering their guy and, and not letting him get open or whatever it might be. You don't see that uh, all the time, especially not on TV when it's kind of out of the – you know, out of, out of the uh, camera view, um, but uh, Troy did a great job in that game, and and you, you look at what it does across the board, and and these things don't happen in a vacuum. Everything kind of impacts something else, and and Aaron Donald gets two sacks, and and he has really come on. It's not something we've we've really talked about a lot, but uh, at least from a statistical standpoint, I mean, I, I think Aaron brings it every game, every snap. Uh, but in terms of some of that production and those sacks, uh, you're you're seeing it go up 
and you're seeing him make some higher profile plays uh, now that the Rams have made some of those changes in the secondary. They're playing a little bit more of aggressive style, and and that has really, I think, benefited Aaron and, and some of those guys up front. So um, interesting to watch. I, I, I can't wait, Joe, from, from the perspective of, you know, the Rams have done this against some teams, again, that have not you you don't consider them right. real particularly quality offensive teams, but uh, we, you got Baltimore coming in now, and uh, you can't ask for a better challenge than than that team right now, and Lamar Jackson and and the way that they're playing. So uh, huge, huge game. Obviously, we'll get into more of that later on in the week. But uh, Joy, I think in, in terms of this Rams defense, just to, just to wrap it up, uh, they've done everything you could ask for them uh, from them over over the last four weeks, and and I'm real excited to see you know, what they can do against the Ravens. Yeah, and you know the Bears. You know certainly Trubisky's been a mess, but this is a team with weapons. I mean, Cohen, Montgomery, Allen Robinson's a le- legit number one receiver. I mean, the the Bears put together two good drives to start. Certainly, you miss the two field goals, and maybe that's kind of a a setback for them. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they didn't do much. You know, I, th- I thought their two best possessions started the game, and you know either the emotional letdown of missing the field goals hit them, or the or the Rams defense made some adjustment, probably some combination of that. Um, but after that, you know, the the Rams really locked them down, and I had this like vision in my head of Bears and Rams fans leaving that game last night, going through the Coliseum tunnel, arguing. You know, well, at least we didn't pay Mitch Trubisky twenty million or thirty million dollars a year, and then, well, at least we didn't draft Jared Goff instead of Pat Mahomes. You know, you could right. see this like argument going back and forth of these two fan bases, you know, in their positions with these with these quarterbacks. Where, uh, you know, there's a lot of there was a lot of good things that happened on that football field last night, and you know, there was not a lot, um, you know, from the from either quarterback. Yeah, for sure. It was it was an interesting game to watch. I don't know whether it was particularly exciting or uh, you know compelling at times, but uh, a lot of a lot of subplots there, and, and ends up being a very important game for the Rams. So we'll see what happens. They've uh, you know they they improve to six and four. They're still in the hunt in the playoff race. They didn't get a lot of help again because uh, Denver fell apart and, and lost to Minnesota. So the Rams are still basically a game and a half back of that final wild card uh, spot, but still a lot of football to play and. and some very big games for the Rams coming up. But Joe, I, before we wrap up, I, there was something I wanted to certainly address since since you're here in particular. And I, I think you mentioned early on, you know, uh, you know, basically a year ago since that uh, Rams-Chiefs game. And uh, we all remember that certainly for the for the dynamic offense and what an exciting game that was. But, uh, you know, that was a such a, a huge, um, I guess you could say two weeks or, or that whole month even of November of last year when uh, it, it started, you know, certainly with the with the tragic shooting at the, the borderline uh, bar in Thousand Oaks. And, and then just a few hours later, you know, the, the fires start and, uh, you know, people are evacuated, rams, uh, coaches, players got evacuated from their homes. And, and then obviously the team was supposed to play in Mexico and that game got moved back to the Coliseum and, and there was quite a scene. Uh, I know everybody who saw it remembers it with all the, you know, some of the family members and, and victims who were out on the field after the game. And it was very emotional and very touching to, to see. Uh, but Joe, you, you were there through, throughout it all. And uh, I, I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe it's been a year 
you know, since, since everybody went through that and, you know, seeing all the anniversary stuff and uh, very sad and, and very compelling. And your colleagues at the Ventura County Star have done some great work and a lot of people have to, to commemorate that, that one year. But uh, Joe, I mean, what your memories, I mean, I know there's a lot, but, but just uh, from the Rams perspective and, and how they kind of um, became a part of the community, I think. They already were, but, but I, I think that game, that month, um, those experiences really kind of, uh, you know, brought the Rams closer to that Thousand Oaks, that Ventura County community. I mean, as you look back a year later, what are your, what are your thoughts? What are your memories of that time? Well, I mean, I, I think my memories on this go back even beyond last year. Um, you know, two years ago, you know, the, the Thomas fire hits the Western half of the County and, you know, you have that first response where Johnny Hecker is sitting on his couch being Johnny Hecker saying, I have to do something. And he goes off to the local target, loads up his truck with whatever he can buy that he thinks the people at the evacuation center can use and drives it himself with his pregnant wife to the Ventura County Fairgrounds to help and do whatever he can. And I think, um, you know, I don't know if the Rams took that lead. You know, certainly that was, you know, that, that first kind of moment when it was like, oh, well, this is what it means to have a professional sports team in your community during a time of peril. And then, you know, obviously last year, you know, we all have our, our own little perspective of what we were going through. I had, um, you know, when the first, I'm our closest reporter to the borderline. So when that happened, I rushed off, um, you know, to help our coverage. And I had spent the night out at borderline, borderline doing whatever we could do to, to cover that event. Um, obviously I'm not, you know, I'm a sports reporter and, and to, you know, that was a very foreign kind of situation for me. But then the next day I had a little bit of normalcy where I'm, I go out to the Rams facility to, you know, kind of, ask the Rams about, you know, or to get, you know, because the Rams were kind of mentioning what they were going to do to kind of help the community in response to borderline. But those two events happened so quickly that in the, I have a story, I have a file on my computer somewhere on a story I was going to write that day that never got wrote, written because the, you know, I see on the TVs at the Rams facility that, you know, the, the fire is creeping up the Conejo grade towards my home. (laughs) So, so I, I, you know, I, I quickly pick up and run out and, um, you know, and so that we all have our own personal experiences of what we went through, you know, that week. But I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, everybody who was in this community has positive memories of what the Rams did. I I think they, um, you know, they, they hit all kinds of, of notes, the correct notes that week, whether it was having, um, you know, Justin Meeks, you know, one of the borderline victims, uh, choir sing the national anthem from Cal Lutheran, yeah. um, to, you know, everything that they've done, uh, and continue to do, um, with, um, you know, the, the, the sheriff's family, um, you know, the, the Helis family, um, whether it was, um, you know, that incredible moment after the game on the field where, uh, Whitworth and, and Goff are cons- consoling the families to, you know, bringing them to the Super Bowl, um, you know, basically inviting them in as a Rams family member onto the, um, you know, onto the, the, um, the plane. And, you know, they, I, I saw the Helices there um, during, um, 
you know, they came out uh, to to thank the Rams for their role in the in in um, you know the healing that took place in the community during OTAs. Um, so that you know, it's just um, you know, the, certainly the, the Rams are in a position uh, you know to do some good in the community. They've accepted that. They've and, and they've done a, a good job of that. Um, and you know, they've you know, unfortunately, they have they've had the opportunity. Um, you know, to do that, um, considering everything that's gone on from the multiple fires to, um, the shooting, but, um, you know, certainly that, uh, that Monday night against the chiefs for all the reasons, you know, is, is something that, uh, you know, people in this community are not going to forget anytime soon. Yeah, I think you said it right there. They hit the right notes, and and I remember as as that was going along. I mean, there's no script for this thing. You you're, you're right. a sports team. You're a part of the community, and and you don't know you know exactly what what do people need. You know, what do they need to hear? What do they need to see from you? You you, don't, you certainly don't want to be grandstanding about it. You don't want to you know make it look like it's it's all about the team and and oh you know the Rams are so great and a lot of things that that happened went on behind the scenes. I I know that. There, there was such a reaction, you know, whether it was you know, Molly Higgins, uh, who, who heads up their community affairs, or Joanna Hunter, uh, you know, they, they were they were thinking, I mean, they were around the clock thinking of what, what can we do, you know, what kind of support can we show w- without making it look like it was some type of show, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, that was my takeaway from that too, Joe, is that uh, the, the the measures that they took, the things that they did were, were very authentic and, and I, I think were, were helpful uh, in, in terms of that healing and, and continue to be. So uh, it certainly was a memorable thing, like you said, not something you would want to remember, not something you would ever want to happen again, but uh, a, a time that I don't think anybody involved um, will forget. And certainly, Joe, you did an amazing job covering that and, and your colleagues did as well. And, uh, you know, Joe is, uh, we, we joked uh, not too long ago on the podcast about w- when the Rams are ever going to p- pick a permanent practice site. They're, they're still there at Cal Lutheran. Fortunately, uh, there hasn't been any rain recently. So the, the leaks of, of the temporary uh, uh, trailers haven't started yet. But Joe, I, I know I'm not, I'm not going to ask Joe to, to spill any of his uh, reporting on, on our podcast, but I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I know Joe's on top of this and, and he is uh, trying to get the story of what the Rams are eventually going to do are they going to stay in ventura county are they going to build somewhere else so as that develops certainly uh, continue to read joe's coverage in, in the ventura county star and and his great stuff on the usa today network as well and uh, joe does a great job of covering uh the nfl and and certainly covering the rams and, and all the local sports too so if you're a ventura county resident uh certainly uh you know follow his his stories and follow his colleagues too so uh, we thank joe for being with us and of course we will be back later on in the week to preview uh, the Rams and the Ravens. What a huge, huge game uh, that's going to be. And uh, the Rams could really make a statement if, if they were able to to win that game. So uh, we'll, we'll preview that. And in the meantime, there's uh, so many. Our, our podcast network is growing on the athletic across the board nationally and, and certainly locally too. And I'd be remiss Given my background, if I if I didn't point out uh, just a, a fantastic episode of, of Point Breakaway, our, our hockey podcast that, that Josh Cooper leads up, his most uh, recent episode, uh, he had Dean Lombardi, the former Kings general manager, who I know very well, and uh, it was just it was hilarious. He, there's a story in there. I'm not going to spoil the whole story, but there's a story in there about Jeff Carter and 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 watching Top Gun clips that I just I could not believe I was listening to it. Um, so definitely check that out. Josh had uh, Jordan. 
Samuels Thomas on as a co-host and, and they had Dean on to talk about all the stuff that was going on in the hockey world. So definitely give that a listen and be back with us on Friday when we do preview the uh, Rams and the Ravens. So Joe, thanks a lot. I, I hope I haven't scared you away and uh, I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Anytime you need me, man. And I, you know, uh, I appreciate what you guys do over there. Make sure you, you read Rich's tremendous story in the offensive line. Um, he was at another part of the the, uh, the locker room last night and dug up a good story that uh, I had no idea about. So I was learning stuff uh, before I'd even left the press box last night. So great job yourself yeah. last night, and I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm a uh, big fan. For sure. For sure. Appreciate that. Yeah, Joe, check out Joe's work at vcstar.com and uh, definitely give him a follow on Twitter too at VCS Joe Curley. Curley with an E in there. Um, so please do uh, follow along with Joe. He's, he's a fun follow and a real insightful guy. So uh, thanks, Joe. You can uh, follow along with me also at uh, Rich underscore Hammond on Twitter. And uh, thanks again, everybody. We, we always appreciate uh, the, the comments, the reviews on, on iTunes and such and uh, all the support and uh, again we'll continue on and be back with you on friday to preview uh, rams and ravens so have a good week everybody and we will talk to you then